Hey, welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of July 4, 2011, episode 110. 110. This is Chris Bevelo. I'm president of Interval. We are the healthcare marketing agency that puts on the show. With me today are my co-conspirators. Jackie Ritaco, <laughs> account coordinator with Interval. And Adam Meyer, creative director at Interval. And we have a guest with us today, Nick Lansing. Yes, hello, Nick Lansing. Uh, I'm a marketing planner with Essentia Health System. How you doing? Very good today. Now, we were trying to remember, we have, as a reminder, on the table, a 12-pack of Colt 45. <laughs> yes. Which, who knew and they came cold. in 12-packs? And it's cold. We should put that in the fridge. Yes. Now, how did that's how we got to meet you. And I don't remember what episode that was. 97? No, must have been like 104. Yeah, it was in the hundreds. Somehow we started talking about malt liquor. Oh, it was because we were doing the happy hour at yes. the mission conference. Oh, that's yep. right. And we were gonna we were gonna have jokingly all this on it. it. Yes, yes. I I discovered your podcast about a year ago, which I enjoy and it helps me professionally. And then also by chance happened to be going to this conference, and you'd riffed on your podcast that you'd. When you're sponsoring Happy Hour, you'd have 40 <laughs> ounces of malt liquor. And when I met, I met Jackie and Adam, and I pointed out my um, disappointment that you were only selling 12-ounce bottles of beer. And, of normal alcohol, yeah. And you seem so ecstatic that somebody listened to your podcast. Know, that's Jackie's response all the time. Somebody, somebody listened. listened. No. So, no, it's, yeah, it's good. And we couldn't even find... 40s for yeah. today. Apparently they're tricky to come by. They ranged in price from 2 to $3.50 at <laughs> the liquor store across the street from my building. Oh, wow. Which is where? We should tell people if they're not familiar with Essentia Health. You're based out of Duluth. Essentia Health is headquartered out of Duluth. Um, we range from northwestern Wisconsin as far west as Idaho, um, omitting mm-hmm. Montana. We have no operations in Montana. Skip right over Montana? <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> kind of frustrates our graphic designer when we have to build a system map and <laughs> the, the largest hole. states in America <laughs> yeah. kind of just messing up the feng shui of the map. Right. <laughs> well, that's cool. I'm glad you could join us yes, today. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, some of the content we're going to talk about, Nick, you brought this forward, so mm-hmm. we're going to turn to you and ask for your opinion on it. Uh, the first one is about QR codes, and we've talked about that a little on the show, but not, yeah, not a, a ton. ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so one of the articles... Uh, there's so many articles on this, but one that maybe Nick, you brought this one. I don't know. Yep. If, okay. So, uh, it's from CRT Tanaka, which is an agency, uh, out of, I think it's, is it New York? I'm not familiar with the agency. Okay. I've, I've no. heard of them. Uh, but they're, you know, they got a Huey Lewis picture and the title says with QR codes, hospitals are finding it hip to be square. Oh my God. Do you get it? Geez. And how, so first of all, how long, how far away are we from? Circular QR codes. Why do they have to be square? They'll probably be any shape in a right. Well, that's a few months. Well, that's like a barcode. I mean, you can't really make a barcode any other shape than a rectangle that it is because of what it is. I don't. Maybe they'll make what? it that way, but I mean, it's it's uh, those little squares are in a certain pattern because when they're, they're they're scanned basically, so that's they register. I don't I don't know that you can make them any other shape than a square right now. Apparently or not. We will be able to. Do you know Nick? No, I don't. Um, but I would think that. Because it's technology and it changes faster than any of us can anticipate, <laughs> someone will decide, I want it to look like our logo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right now, a part of it is it's just black and white. It's just a binary system, right? 
Yeah, sorry like, to like, throw that same, technology same way, in there. Same way that a barcode. Right a binary system. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's true or zero or false, one, yeah, yeah. black or white. So why couldn't mm-hmm. you just have white? You remember know, that it's the anti space. Maybe you could, but remember that it's a universal system. Um, so it's something that, that everybody has to be able to use. There's a standard set. So I you, know, whatever. That's 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 where it gets difficult to start making it different shapes and whatnot. I think Down with try. universal system. Let's try. You go <laughs> Let's ahead. Let's introduce it right here. We trademark it right now. Circular QR codes. Well, if they're all circle, then that's okay. Well, they could be triangles or logos, like Nick's idea. This is. I'll have nothing to do with this. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, from the article, just a couple things, and we'll jump in, because I know you've got some experience with this, Nick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've been working with some of our clients on it, though. It, with, mm-hmm. as per usual, it's sometimes kicking and screaming to get them to use this. Uh, but given the fact that uh, this really is easy to do, it's inexpensive, uh, it's a little lower threshold. So out of the article, it says, QR codes help simplify one of the biggest marketing challenges hospitals faced. Face, how to break down their silos and integrate social media with their ongoing marketing efforts. And then it gives some examples. So I'll come back to the examples because I think the examples make me ponder. So I don't want to start there. I'd rather start with how, how do we think we could use QR code? So how have you used it, Nick? Um, we, I, I can claim credit. I was the first one to use one at work, but it was for a very finite group. Um, we did a partnership with Grandma's Marathon and we had gearing up for grandmas a little talk with um, some of our physicians and staff and with marathon staff for marathon trainers, runners. So a very finite, discrete audience. And in one of the handouts put up by our dietitian, Heather Pitska, we had a little QR code that if you scanned, it went to about a two-minute video of her that we'd aired on a TV program we are. Um, about how you can make your own performance nutrition replenishing foods without having to spend two bucks per cliff bar. So it made sense, and it was also an experiment. I remember yeah. going on and creating the QR code. I'm, I'd never done anything like that before, so I was like, am I opening the Ark of the Covenant? <laughs> your face starts melting. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, well, ghosts come out, and I'll get fired. But it worked, and coincidentally... Be using, we're using them in a branding campaign that broke in mid-June um, where it connects to a site and you have various patients telling their stories. And it fits in with the branding of Essentia Health. And what really struck me and why I suggested it is that our industry, healthcare, has not always been the first to jump in mm-hmm. to new technology, at least when it comes to, to marketing I've seen. And we seem to be jumping into this one, and mm-hmm. I'm not certain if it's we've seen the light or if it's <laughs> we want to not be perceived as letting another innovation go by. So we're going to jump into it. I'd be interested in what you all think about that. I think it's because it's not something that requires any sort of physician or leadership buy-in or effort. So in other words, like social media is a good mm-hmm. example where we've been really slow to embrace it because it's scary and it's got compliance issues and HIPAA and blah, 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 blah. You can put a right. QR code on anything and those folks, they may go, what's that for? And you can show them another example and say this costs nothing. It just provides a link. And they go, yeah, whatever. It's just another part of an ad. Right. So they're less likely to be drawn in around whether it's worthy or not that's mm-hmm. that's part of why i think it's probably easier to embrace cost and maintenance 
cost of maintenance well, the, is low. Yeah, barrier to entry is extraordinarily mm-hmm. low. Right. Um, these things are free to create. You just plug in your URL to a website, and it spits out your QR code. QR That's what code, she you said. Save it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, not only that, but it's really, I mean, you're, you're using it on traditional media, and hospitals are notorious for clinging to their traditional media, right? Here's the thing, mm-hmm. though, the, and, that, and that's true. And I think that's where some of the QR code value is limited because you apply it to traditional media. And that's one of the examples I want to throw out from the article where I kind of raise my eyebrow. And, and we all think that the value of print and, and outdoor or whatever is kind of dropping. It's still a good idea. Mm-hmm. Where I see great value are things like what I do when I check in and get my boarding pass. So it's not just driving me to a link uh, where there is information and the same for everybody. I love the idea that, that there's some kind of custom QR code based on me right. personally. Right. And imagine mm-hmm. how you could use that in building relationships with patients or consumers where let's say we talk a lot about wellness programs. Mm-hmm. You get people to sign up for a wellness program and maybe they get uh, their own QR code which can be used wherever they they, they, they participate in a system event. So if they're doing the 5K, they show up, they show the QR code, and the person from the system knows, oh, this is Chris Bevelo, this is what you've done before, whatever. There's just a, a, a deeper opportunity, I think, to personalize how they can be used. Mm-hmm, so, I, you know, I don't know. I just made that up off the top of my head. But I, I, like the, I like the opportunity there as much as the opportunity just to provide links to more information. Though I do have to tell you, do, do any of you use the the online QR code boarding pass? I've used no. it. I used, used it once Scares on me. one of our recent trips. It worked fine. Have you for used me. that, Nick? I've not. And it always scared me too. And I try to adopt technology as quick as I can. And I always was just worried about it. And then finally, I'm like, this is way easier than printing on a boarding pass. True. Or when you travel, sometimes you can't print it out, so you have to go to the airport. So it's been fine until yesterday. And I'm literally zone two. We've talked about this last week, right? And they call zone one. And, I, and what I do is I, you get a text message when you sign up for this. You click on that text message, and it brings you to a page with the QR code that is your boarding pass. And so it's a web page. So I usually have that up ready to go. And then you go up and you scan it in. So I had it up ready to go, uh, or, I, or I thought I did. I opened my iPhone because it would, had locked down clicked on Safari, it brought up the QR code and then instantly tried to refresh, which it's never done before. So there's no reason to do that unless I tap on the page. And in the refreshing, not only did it not find the page, Safari froze. Hmm. So now I'm sitting there in line with a blank (laughs) screen going, now what do I do? And I quickly like, you know, shut off my phone and try to bring it back up and it froze again. And I'm like, what do I do? So I went to the desk and Mm -hmm. got a line and said my phone froze me out, and they just gave me another boarding pass, which I thought was interesting. The they didn't even ask the so CID. Accommodating. Yeah, yeah she just mm-hmm. printed it right out. By the time I got back in line, it had come up again, but that's why it's scary. If you lose mm-hmm. internet connection or you forget to do it and then you don't have internet connection. Right. Anyway, side story. So Life lesson learned. <laughs> let me ask you this. So this was in the article. And one of the suggestions from, from this article was, you know, here, here's, here's what a hospital could do. And this is the one that may, made us kind of raise our eyebrow. Place a code on a billboard for the hospital's sleep program that links to its website for more information about sleep apnea. So, boy, that probably depends on what billboard you're talking about. Where right? it is. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we would. We always try to think in terms of safety. <laughs> um, Being a hospital yeah. or health system. So yeah. something that would now would be ideal for the passenger, um, but chances are something like that would encourage mm-hmm. the driver to try to do that. So and even you know like we talked about here, if it's on thirty five, even if I'm a passenger, you, you're going to have to be a QR code mm-hmm. ninja, yeah, a ninja <laughs> sniper to like get it lined up. And as you're going sixty miles an hour, but in town here. Uh, where you know right. you're going walking. twenty thirty or you're walking. Well, not even that. Yeah, I would say if you're driving it at all, you shouldn't be doing it. But if you're yeah, down, yeah, yeah. down, like downtown, where there's foot traffic and the billboard and a billboard like right down here would be a perfect opportunity, probably for something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that going to be a new law they pass? Don't QR code while you drive. Well, I'm like, sure that falls under. Don't the, text when you drive. Don't text. Don't use your phone. <laughs> other than you're not supposed to use your. Is the law in Minnesota now? You have to use hands free to talk. Yes, to not talk. yet. You can't, yeah, you can't, if you, if you are seen holding a phone to your ear talking while you're driving, you will get pulled over and get a ticket. No way. I didn't think it passed yet. I do it all the time. I'm pretty sure mm. it passed a while ago. I, I could be I wrong. I thought think it passed. So. But I think no texting. Yeah, I think no texting, but it's occurred to me, I can, as, as I hold my phone here to simulate that nobody hearing can see, um, <laughs> if you see me moving my thumb over this, you don't know if I'm texting, if I'm right. online, right, if calling. I'm trying to do angry birds with one hand. <laughs> Which is legal. That is legal. You can drive and do Impossible. angry birds. Impossible. What's interesting was they did a, um, you know, like they like speed traps or they have like, today's the day we're going to be out in force. And they warn people, which I always think is interesting. They did that around uh, distracted driving here mm-hmm. in the Twin Cities maybe a month ago. Mm-hmm. So they made a big news announcement. If you're doing anything on your phone, uh, that they're going to pull you over. And in the story, it was my first thought was, well, how do they know? They may see you pick up your phone, but it could be to dial, which is legal. And literally, they said that the police were asking people to hand over their phones. They so they see. would take your phone, and they would look at your text messages and see where you texting you get at the have time. A, that sounds entirely illegal. You need a warrant for that kind of I, stuff. That's I mean, what I thought. I think it was voluntary. I think, like they said, can we see your phone? I and, would say, no, you cannot see my yeah, phone. Unless you're, you know, that's one of those, well, if you're not doing anything wrong, why not hand over your phone? Yeah, this is, yeah. Also <laughs> a state, this is also a state, Minnesota, where the DNR cannot enter a fishing shack on the ice. Right, yeah. Because that's considered... Private property Privacy. or something. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Do we have oh, to explain what that. a fishing check is? Yeah, so to all our listeners, <laughs> do, not, <laughs> do not hand over your phone to the cops if asked. Well, what would you do? I mean, that's, it was really interesting to me that they, had, they interviewed a couple people, and, and I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure they can't force you to hand over your phone. Mm-mm. I don't think I so. Don't I, I could be wrong, but that sounds like a, something you would need a warrant for. Anyway, that's, I'd love to see that. Have to go, you need a warrant for that, just like in the TV. <laughs> Yeah. Show me the warrant, Kappa. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one thing I'd add to the QR discussion, though, is that I think it w- I would like to see it used in a little more of an applicable and innovative way. Um, we're, already putting, we're already putting URLs on. I mean, it, it's, it's convenient, yes, to be able to take you to a specific mm-hmm. URL that might be really long and hard to type in. Um, but I would really like to see it used in more of an applicable way. And one of the things that comes to mind is, like, facility in, in your facility, use in your facility. If I'm walking down the hallway at, or, and I need a map, I, need a map um, I can scan something quick and up mm-hmm. comes a map of exactly where I'm, where I'm at, you know, if it's a large facility. Or there's maybe something, I don't know if there's a form I need somewhere, whatever, you scan this and there it is. You know, so stuff, stuff that just makes, it becomes a little more personal, like you were saying, a little more applicable to a specific situation. Um, and not just something that's tagged on an ad as an afterthought, which is what a lot of them ultimately feel like right now where, where people have used them. Not always. It's cert- like I said, it certainly is easier to take you to like a specific URL that, that 
that is long and you don't want to have to have somebody type it mm -hmm. in. But um, I don't know. I'd like to see some more innovative use of it. Yeah. Think about yeah. if you're like a twin season ticket holder and you could set up your own personal, I mean, you've already got a personal account, so we mm -hmm. have tickets. Uh, and let's say that generates a QR code that you can use at the ballpark. So wherever you want to buy something, yeah. you, they know they have the scanners. They scan my my twins QR code, and it automatically bills my account for whatever. Or even instead of your ticket. Or instead of my ticket, sure. yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I mean, you can already do. You can always do print the tickets out. Why not create a QR code? The Maybe tricky, the tricky part there mm -hmm. is if somebody else gets a hold of your code. Yeah, I mean, well, if it, if it's tied to your identity, that somebody else could steal that and use it pretty easily. It, they, you might want something a little more proprietary for well, linking to your it'd account. It have to be on your phone. So if they stole your phone, yeah, but they would no, also they get, all kinds get of, their code on their phone. You're, you're thinking in phone. terms of oh. like a different form of identity theft. Yeah, only yeah. Okay. Well, it's in a very yeah. easy easy to yeah. steal. I mean, well, at least you don't have to quash an idea when it first comes well, up. I'm just saying, I work around it's, it. It's a good idea <laughs> that just that needs you. another layer of security on it. That's I'm all not I'm thinking about security. I'm the idea guy, <laughs> not the <laughs> compliance guy. That's how I roll. Excellent. I'm sorry. That's, like a, that's a fantastic no, idea. So Thank Adam, you. And I so can't that wait makes to Adam the compliance guy. <laughs> I take no responsibility for I, ideas. And I, I just come up with it. It's that. a good idea, and I can't wait to charge all of my expenses to your QR code using my own phone. Cynical. All right. Well, it'll be interesting to see how. How mm -hmm. hospitals continue to use it yeah. in health systems and definitely i just think there's a lot of opportunity so cool mm -hmm. yeah. all right let's move on to this next one i think it's really curious so google announced that they're dropping google health mm -hmm. yeah uh and along with google power meter which whatever that was i defy you to name <laughs> what that is <laughs> but they announced this uh i'm gonna say this was last week yeah, monday what a, what a week ago yeah and so i actually pulled up their press release on it uh, and basically what they're saying is um, their goal was to create a service that would give people access to the personal health and wellness information. Uh, now with a few years of experience, we've observed that Google Health is not having the broad impact that we hoped it would. There's been adoption among certain groups of users like tech-savvy patients and their caregivers and more recently fitness and wellness enthusiasts, but we haven't found a way to translate that limited uses into widespread adoption in the daily health routines of millions of people. So they're going to end it. January 1, right? Mm -hmm. So what do we think that means? Do we think that means anything of significance? Is that a sign of something? I, or I went through this, and I didn't really take it as a sign that, you know, this whole concept is doomed, and right. we're all going to go back to, like, monks writing on parchment or anything like that. <laughs> it, what struck me is, the first thing, I panicked because I'd never heard of this. And I try to keep very current with what's going on. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, I'm not worthy to be on your podcast. But I just think <laughs> there's so much out there, whatever there is, whether it's online or, or yeah. wherever. And to try to keep up with it and stay fluent, I, this, the more I read about it, the more I thought, that's a really good idea. But it's also gone. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's uh, Microsoft... Vault. Uh, health, health Vault. I health Vault, which they've launched with Mayo Clinic. That was a couple of years ago. Yeah, and actually, Google is pointing people there now. So if, mm -hmm. if you were to try oh, to, wow. if you were to go to the Google um, Health landing page um, or log into your own account if you already have one, um, there's a, there's an FAQ on there and it, and it points you to uh, Microsoft Health Vault and tells you how to get your data out of here to import it into there. So kudos to them for at least helping people yeah. move to mm -hmm. another platform. Um, but. Yeah, you know, I, I I think that they were just ahead of their time, and that's one thing that they point out in this read write web article, which is where I first saw or first heard that this was closing down. Um, you know, if they were launching this product today, it'd be interesting to see what the buy in would be, what the excitement would be. 
Um, I just think, you know, it's, it was, what, what, when did they launch it again? 2005, 2004? So a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it's, probably, it's been no, out for a while. Like seven or eight. It hasn't been okay. that long. Has it been, has it been that recent? They said a few years, so I'm okay. going to say. Maybe, maybe it wasn't quite that long ago. Yep. But I, you know, this, this article pointed out a few reasons for their failure. One, that they were probably ahead of their time. Two, that they didn't have, and this is something we run into all the time, that critical component of physician buy-in. You know, they had some physicians mm-hmm. at some hospitals that were kind of helping push it um, as being a valuable resource. Um, but I don't think they understood mm-hmm. that that was one of the things that it was going to take to get something like this off the ground and really build momentum. Well, what was it supposed to? It's supposed to be consumer-oriented. It is, but there was also, it's also got an API so that it could be fed by other systems. So right. if you had like uh, maybe Epic or some other system, yeah. you, could feed, you could feed into a consumer's account so that they would be able to track this information like that. They wouldn't have to necessarily manually put it in there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if you own certain products like the Fit, I don't know if you've heard of the Fitbit, it's something that I looked into once. It's like a little electronic device that you, that, thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. that you wear on your waist or on like on your, you can strap it on your chest or whatever, but you use it when you're exercising, when you're sleeping, it measures your sleep activity. Mm-hmm. Um, you can use their little database to track your diet, uh, dietary habits. Mm-hmm. Um, but like that software for the Fitbit would channel all your information into Google Health if mm-hmm. you wanted it to. So it was supposed to kind of be uh, more than anything, I think, a conduit for gathering information for you mm-hmm. from these other sources. Yeah. Um, and it just failed to take off. Yeah, what, it, what I liked about it, since I've heard about it, it seemed like it's a seamless platform. So like at Essential Health, we use Epic. Different health systems use different electronic medical records. And so the question is, how congruent are they with each other? Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. I go on vacation to Orlando and get hurt, how easy or difficult is it for my record to be accessed by the physician down there? Right. Mm-hmm. And something like this seemed like all ports can enter into it easily. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I I read something much more dire into it. It's kind of like we were talking about before. Do. <laughs> no, I just think it points to we had a, a nice discuss. We'll call it a nice discussion. Adam, you and I did a couple of podcasts ago about. Um, it's up to people to take ownership right. of their health and their financial. Mm-hmm. And I think all this does is point to the fact that people that's aren't. not how we're wired, right. uh, whether it's because we're used to having all that reside with our physicians in our hospitals, whether it's because we're lazy, whether it's because most of the people most of the time don't have to think about that stuff. If you're dealing with um, type 1 diabetes and it rules your world, then I can see you being very proactive in, in doing this. Yeah. But most, peop- most people don't have to deal with that most of the time, that kind of thing. And so it's just not something that you're going to spend a lot of time on, I don't think, either because you're not in a situation where you need to or you just don't have the energy or the wherewithal or the desire to keep – I mean, it's a lot. Even if a lot of it is pulled in automatically – you still have to maybe drive that. It's still assuming that systems like Essentia or Park Nicollet or Alina um, have the systems that can work with that, want to be collaborative because some of them would mm-hmm. rather, you know, hey, all that stays with us. We don't right. really want to help mm-hmm. that. Or it's not just Google Health. It's Microsoft Vault and other options. So how many of these are we going to have to really coincide with? So it's just it's a great idea. Uh, and if you, had to, if you didn't have to make money on it, then it's a great tool for somebody to provide. But if if they were expecting this to you know be used by millions of people to just all of a sudden like I'm going to own my health and I'm going to put every people can't even have a hard time keeping track of immunizations for their kids. One thing, where do I keep that information? And yeah. uh, you know you have the fold out cards. You can provide that online. Systems can, but mm-hmm. that's just one example. Let alone your entire health. 
I don't know. I, I just think it it goes to show how difficult it is to get people to that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I bank with Wells Fargo, and Wells Fargo has just an enormous amount of information on its website. I mean, you right. could spend an immense amount of time there. And there's fantastic personal budgeting and business budgeting options and tools and things, services that you might pay for. Mm-hmm. But to take the time to actually wade through it, you want another Colt 45? <laughs> 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 to take the time to actually wade through it, um, I need yeah. to eat and sleep some point in my life. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. The one thing that really struck me about this is I didn't notice anybody concerned about trust. Because with electronic medical records, there's always kind of a, an undertone of big brother or mm-hmm. trust or what happens if somebody gets in. And as I read more about this and spent a lot of time on comments, nobody really raised trust as an issue. Do you trust Google with mm-hmm. your intimate healthcare information? Yeah. Good point. And I, th- I, think, I think that would have kept some people from doing it. Uh, more and more, I think that's changing. I think people are feeling more free to, to share that information, let alone store it somewhere in the cloud or with Google. But uh, it's definitely a fair question. So I'm sure it prevented some folks from it – was, it was part of the contributing factor to why it didn't maybe take off the way they thought it would. But yeah. the Wells Fargo thing is a great analogy it's a, yeah. it's, or metaphor or whatever it is, comparison, because there are tools on there that are phenomenal. But I used to use Quicken, for example – to try to manage my expenses. Oh. And, and, it, and it really is, to really use those tools, it's a lot of effort to put information in there and that's keep the, it up to date. That's why you need to use, yeah. I use mint.com. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Right. Um, most banks today have a, uh, use a protocol for sharing information that's common, that, so that a resource like mint.com can access all of your accounts on every bank and get that information and pull it into one place where you don't have to enter anything. Um, you can go in there and categorize things if they categorized it wrong. Right. Um, but it's a pretty amazing tool. I do actually have one or two accounts where the bank is probably old or actually just made their a con- conscious decision to block resources like this from accessing their information, which for the consumer is extraordinarily frustrating. Because if it's one, th- if if you've got like all of your banks fed into one place, so you can really track some really cool metrics around your finances and be able to plan things and set up budgets and see how every- see how your investments are doing, everything in one place. But one of your banks says, "No, I'm not going to support that." Now all of a right. sudden, it's like this whole thing just became mm-hmm. just like in healthcare, really yeah. useless. There's um, probably healthcare providers that would have been. You would have all of your health records, everything in in Google Health, but one, right? Like your pediatrician or something. Because now all yeah. of a sudden you have multiple things to, to multiple places to yeah. manage the stuff again. But yeah, if you haven't used Mint, I would highly recommend checking it out. It's yep. really cool. I've heard I've heard really cool. It, yeah. All right. Very well. I'm glad I came down today. <laughs> <laughs> you get cold money management. And money yeah. management. Oh, and you might feel when you're when you're linking up your accounts with Mint, you might feel like I don't know. Do I should I enter all my information in here? But it's all encrypted. So when as you're entering all of your account numbers and passwords and stuff into Mint, um, you could go to their little page that tells you how it's secure. But you're not actually they're not storing your information. Actually, it's like these hash things that are passed through mm-hmm. behind the walls that. Nobody can steal or hack. So now, so. See, he is the compliance guy. I told you. He's all, he's all up in the security. <laughs> all right, one more, one more topic. This is a good one. We could go a long time on this one. But healthcare mm-hmm. jargon. We haven't done our cliche of the week in a long time. Yeah, so it's been a while. We, we could have gone back to the archives and pulled some out. But uh, we have a couple examples. But, Nick, your example is outstanding. <laughs> yeah, it is. It kind of sets the bar pretty high. This was my... My welcome to healthcare marketing 
concept um, <laughs> back in 2005. Um, had just left the newspaper industry and joined healthcare. And we had a branding campaign that used the phrase life, heart attack, life, or life, cancer life, and life, stroke life, to emphasize real patients, how they're living their lives, have this incident, were there with them, for them, got them back in life. Mm-hmm. And we had real patients. The woman who represented heart attack technically didn't have the classic heart attack. And this was pointed out in a very well-written, very long and very insistent email <laughs> from a brilliant cardiologist. It should actually be life idiopathic cardiomyopathy. Life. <laughs> <laughs> and Say that again. Say it slow. Idiopathic cardiomyopathy. And you're really not making that up? No. And that okay. should be as part of the... That's like, the name slow, of this podcast. Yeah. Yes, right so it should be <laughs> yeah. life, idiopathic cardiomyopathy, wow. life. And so we talked about QR codes on the billboard. Imagine trying to decipher <laughs> that on I-35. Um, Here's an accident. <laughs> so this is one of those things where who in their right mind would try to put something like that on what is consumer advertising? But this had to go up to the heavy breathers of the corporation to say, heart attack is okay. Right. You know, eventually common sense does reign, but we have a very frequent challenge to try to simplify the language and yet still be respectful to what we're doing. But this is just a priceless example. So I'm wondering, yeah, do you have these issues with your clients oh, yeah. and do folks outside of healthcare have this? I want to say not as much. I mean, we definitely have that issue with almost every client we work with. And it's, it's, mm-hmm. I'm going to say it's never the marketers. It's always, always a physician. It could be an operational leader or a service line leader or something. But uh, I'm going to say probably not because there's, I'm sure there are some other um, Industries, but w- there's very few industries where there is is so much content uh, that's specific to the industry that is Latin. That is, you know, it's yeah. just mm-hmm. it goes so deep. I'm trying to think of another industry that does that. I mean, financial has that aspect to Law. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but but the deal is, if you know, I don't ever hear. Well, maybe. I mean, are they promoting yeah. to consumers their you know credit default swaps? No. Consumers don't know what that is, but investors know what that is. And if you're promoting that, if that's what you're doing. So I don't know if it happens in other industries. Yeah, but I think those, those industries are much, are more, much more sophisticated than the healthcare industry when it comes to marketing. I think they know that they can't, they can't, <laughs> they can't be speaking in their, in their technical jargon. They, just, they know that. They, they already know that. So I just think that it, when it comes to marketing, I don't think it's going to be as much of a challenge in Law. What was, what was the example you threw out? Finance. You know, Finance. Mm-hmm. Where it might is, is in, um, I'm not going to say technology because I think you're right about technology, but manufacturing is kind of old school. And I, and I guarantee you they have the same, instead of the physician, it's the engineer saying, oh, you know, yeah. we yeah. have MP3 oh, technology, yeah. or mm-hmm. that's even knowable. You know, we have Colt 45 X5000 you know, generation technology. We have to tell people that. Mm-hmm. So it's to me that's a substitute for idiopathic cardiomyopathy. cardiomyopathy. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to live in Green Bay, and my first job where I had to wear a tie was at a agency, and we did a lot of industrial PR business to business, and we had clients like the local affiliations of Procter and Gamble. The big manufacturers mm-hmm. are in Green Bay, and. They knew not to use stuff like that. Like your bounce fabric sheet, that's 
not really a fabric sheet. That's a chemically bonded non-woven <laughs> substrate. Right, right. And they won awards for that technology. But they also knew right. well enough not to write chemically bonded non-woven substrate on the box. <laughs> they didn't create an acronym for that either. No. Chemically like woven CB, non-bonded. I don't even know what that would be. CBNB. C- CBNBs. Yes. <laughs> Get a bad Got to load of CBNBs in the dog. <laughs> So there, I've I've dealt with folks who have these arcane languages, but yeah. it wasn't until healthcare where I met people that really felt we need to have this. Yeah, I, you know, I did a blog post a number of years ago. Uh, I think you can boil this down to orthopedic versus orthopedic. I mean, down to literally one letter, the letter yeah. A. Orthopedic, right? Where from a clinical standpoint, uh, physicians so often want to use the A version. Because uh, there's reasons for it, and I can't remember. But that's the that's the traditional like Greek origin, or I don't right. know. Uh, when you look this up online, if you look at Wikipedia or whatever, there is no difference in meaning. There is no agreed upon mm-hmm. um, way to do it. So you have a choice, and you look at orthopedic with the A, and you look at it without. And you know you can definitely make an argument that it's much easier to understand. It doesn't stop you in your tracks with just an E. So from a consumer's perspective, why not just drop the A? You know that's a that's as simple as it gets. One letter difference, yet it can be a hot potato politically about. Well, you know, where my degree <laughs> says orthopedic with an A, so that's how we have to say. It. And you go, you know, this isn't going to affect our volumes or our, right. you know, web hits or whatever. But it's just one more thing in a long list uh, that makes healthcare complicated. Why can't we just simplify it that mm-hmm. much? Yeah, and I, I, I'm finding that, you know, our clients, it, the way we're set up at Essentia Health, where our clients are the different physician groups, the sections, the clinics, they're getting it. Um, they're mm-hmm. appreciating it more. Um, we did change orthopedic, P-E-D, to P-A-E-D a few years ago. Um, so that's, so yeah. uh, <laughs> it goes back wins. and forth. Yes. But we... They're listening to us more and more. Um, like my colleague Lori Johnson deals with a specialty, and maternal fetal medicine is now changed to high risk pregnancy because that says what it is and it makes sense and right, it sounds right. so much warmer than maternal yeah. fetal medicine. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, so people are listening, but it's just, I think we're dealing with such well educated and passionate people. And, right. yes. and, you know, every industry has its own language, but we literally have our own language of Latin. <laughs> and not everybody's fluent in that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's, we're getting, I mean, it's, it's people getting lost in their own world. I mean, I get that way when it comes to like technology. Mm-hmm. Like I try to, no. I'm trying to explain something to somebody, which seems like, <laughs> like to my, like to my parents, for example, if I'm or trying me. But you can put yeah, me on Chris. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, you just get. It's like to me, it's like you should. This you should understand this. It's, you shouldn't. I shouldn't have to even explain this to you. You should just know this. And I think that's right. just that's just common for almost anybody. Yeah. Well, here's. I want to give you my example because this is this is not Latin jargon. It's just jargon that it's. I think it's understandable to people out in the world. So electronic medical record, right? I mean, I think people for the most part know what that means. Where I get tripped up is where that's used from a marketing perspective right. because uh, I don't think it should be. Uh, I just think it's, and you tell me if, you're, if you got a different opinion, Nick, but uh, we hear this every once in a while because everybody's rolling out a new electronic medical record. Uh, a lot of it's because of reform. And, you know, how do we promote this? How do we let people we know we have this? And, 
And my contention is you don't. They, you know, basically you're saying, hey, we don't keep all our records on paper anymore. <laughs> is that really? Right. You know, and, and so, so that's one point. And then the other point is, is there any value to consumers in this? Of course there is. It's going to improve clinical ability. Right, it's going to yeah. improve efficiency. It's going to, you know, all those things matter. But consumers assume that stuff's happening. They don't want to see what's going on behind the curtain. So I saw a billboard yesterday, and I will not put the name. It wasn't in the state. So you're clear, Nick, if you have this billboard. <laughs> that said XYZ system, the leader in electronic medical record technology. And I, I wanted to pull over and snap a picture. I was driving, so I didn't. But I like, I can't remember this word for word, so I called my voice mail and left that so I wouldn't forget because I was on the interstate. But I just thought that is almost guaranteed, I would bet a lot of money, that that was somebody pushing the marketer to say, we have to tell people that we've right. got yeah. this great mm-hmm. tool. And you go, well, so what? So, that means now I don't have to mm-hmm. fill out forms on my clipboard? You're still well, going to have to, more, more than likely. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> I mean, the system I use... They've had electronic medical record for a long time. And you're still filling out papers every time you go in. You I'm have sure. to conf- every time they pull it up, they confirm, you know, whatever my my medications, they confirm my address, all that. And that's understandable. They're just double checking. But all of the value is behind the curtain for the consumer. Mm-hmm. So yeah. and, and since everybody has them, it's almost like saying we're the leader in having physicians. We have physicians mm-hmm. at our hospital. Well, when you look at electronic medical records compared to say what you could do with online financing years ago it's it's almost like saying we no longer have hitching posts in front of our building (laughs) Um, there's i don't know how you got back to minnesota but there's a health system in wisconsin that also has billboards talking about their medical records they've got a different twist on it they kind of present it like oh yeah that we were doing that 20 years ago which Mm -hmm. is if you've got to present filing as a unique selling point i guess that's the best way to do it <laughs> you know what probably yeah. that was i could i mean the, we've been doing this so long i can just imagine the scenario somebody else in their market promoted the electronic medical record and that system and i have no idea who these people are because i haven't seen the billboard said well what are we going to do you know they're promoting it we've had this forever you know we should promote it and you know and it came down to well let's just make fun of them so instead of like thinking, you know, to your point, is there any strategic marketing value in this? It was, oh, that we've done that 20 years ago. <laughs> and it was an utter response to somebody else. Oh, I, definitely. Again, I'll bet more money that that was. And that, and that really comes down to anything. I mean, I remember when I worked for a hospital in marketing, um, they had finally gotten the specific, the specific hospital had finally gotten um, upgraded their scanning so that they, they had their, their x-rays were electronic and not just the, the film. Right, uh, and they wanted to promote this. Uh, is it they, a PAC system? Something like that. <gasps> they wanted to promote it. They're like, "This is awesome that we have this. We need to let people know that we have this." Yeah. And from we, the marketing team is like, "No, we we're not going to promote this because we're the last hospital in town to, to finally have this. Everybody else has been doing this for like ten years. We finally have it. So no, we're not going to promote this. There's value in care? it. There's value mm-hmm. to referring physicians. There's even value to patients. It's just yeah, just because there's. I mean. I don't know. There's just so many analogies I can think of from other industries where it's like, would you, you know, for the airline industry, you know, would you promote the fact that now you have, you know, I don't know, you have seats that recline, you have, Mm -hmm. you know, or seats that don't recline. That'd be the better, that'd be the better promotion. That would be innovation. (laughs) That would be true. 
Bring it a full circle. State of the art. That's how we do it, Nick. We bring it all around. Or can you call moving your seat back four inches reclining? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is true. I don't even recline my seat typically, not because I don't want to piss the person off behind me, but because it doesn't, what good does it do me to go back four inches? It, it actually is worse for me because I'm taller. It's harder yeah, well, on my that's, back. I have yeah, to like, support the same, myself. I'm probably the same so for maybe me. that's part of why I'm so anti-recline because it doesn't help me anymore. yeah well if you're tall i understand but if the person ahead of you reclines can i just tell one story and then we'll wrap up <laughs> Full circle. Be so of course related. i flew yesterday and i told jackie i'm like or tuesday and wednesday i've i've angered the airline gods now based <laughs> on our last rant on our podcast which has turned out to be very popular and the feedback <laughs> we've got so i'm like everything that we talked about is going to happen and you said that happened to you too even in, in yeah the I didn't have everything, but the one thing was I did. It was a commuter flight, so it was um, Chicago, Detroit. So really quick hop, small, modern plane, but there's just no room at all in those things. Right. So no even prayer. no exit row. So even putting my feet flat, my knees are in the seat. There's nothing I can do about it. And big guy in front of me, he sits down. You know, the first thing he does is sits down, and you know how to like if you're a little bigger and you sit back. He's you're just yeah. worried that it's like going to snap and yeah. come back. And it's not their fault. It's just, you know, we're all tied in there. And, uh, you know, he's restless and he's moving around. I'm, and I'm just like, oh, no, I know it's coming. And I was reading a magazine and he came flying back. And it was, it was, I wasn't, I wasn't even prepared. I mean, I just like flailed practically. My knees like were crushed. The, the magazine gets bent in. I mutter something, not loud enough for him to hear, but I mutter. But clearly my, like, spaz, yeah. he, he sensed it, and he went right back up. I didn't even, I didn't jab him. I didn't, it was just literally, he's, like, in my lap. And he must have known that he just caused big problems behind him because he went right back up. Well, that was kind of nice of him then. It was nice. I would have been doomed. Doomed. <laughs> I literally had to, like, so after that, I was afraid he was going to come back down. I had to lay flat in my seat, like my legs straight, because I didn't want to... Lose a kneecap. Yeah. I think too much about things like that and I get so claustrophobic. So it's like, I just really hope those situations just don't happen to me on planes. Yeah. That's a good plan. I just, from the time you leave the airport and get into the plane, it's kind of, it's the cattle car yeah. experience. Oh, yep. it totally is. To the slaughterhouse, Adam said that last time. Was yeah, that, that's about it. You just don't have the open vents like they do on the cattle trucks. Yep. <laughs> that's a good. Exactly. Point. Yeah. <laughs> all right well we better wrap it up thanks for right. joining us today yeah. Nick. Well, it's thanks. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, this is great and we can Glad have you have back you. at some point we yeah. always like to have guests guests and then repeat guests so yep well at the rate my two sons have soccer and football games done here in the metro area you got time to kill yeah <laughs> cool well again thanks for joining us don't forget your colt 45 oh, that, that, <laughs> i gotta walk down what is this hennepin yeah, you I'm, might not want to carry yeah, that down. I've got a six-block <laughs> yeah. six walk in downtown Minneapolis with a 12 or a Colt 45. I know. We're going to make some suit. new friends. I'll now you know that. how I felt when I picked it you gotta up. you got to carry it on your shoulder. Carry it on your shoulder. We'll paint some speakers on it. Nobody will ever yeah, know. Yeah, and then it's you need a, a boombox on your other <laughs> shoulder. <laughs> All right. For Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards, this is Chris Bevelo. Jackie Ritaco. Adam Meyer. And Nick Lansing. Thank you for joining us, and we will talk to you next week right we will talk to you next week even though next week for us is fourth of july people better hope so we'll do something yes you'll hear from us happy fourth too late right back in time hope you had a good weekend we're sending the vibes now (laughs) talk to you next week